Welcome back to the Chronically Mom podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. I am your host, Michelle Pickens, the voice behind the Instagram and blog, Chronically Blonde. I share my experiences with IBD, motherhood, and mental health. And through my podcast, the goal is to highlight other voices in the chronic illness and motherhood communities. My guest today falls into both of these categories. I had an awesome chat with Sam Savage, aka the chronic illness doula. She provides doula services in person and virtually with a focus on mothers with chronic illnesses. She herself has a chronic illness, which sparked her passion for helping others that are in the same boat. I will let her tell more about her story. Uh, Let's get into this week's episode with Sam, the chronic illness doula. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Well, first off, do you want to give us an intro? Tell us a little bit about you, your experience in chronic illness, um, and then your why. What got you into birth work and specifically focusing on moms with chronic illnesses. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Sam. I'm a certified full spectrum doula, which full spectrum doula just means you kind of cover everything across fertility, um, pregnancy, birth, postpartum. So the whole spectrum. Um, And I run the Instagram, uh, the chronic illness doula and my business, my website is the chronic illness doula. Um, So I really got interested in birth work when I think it started when I was a kid, because when ever someone in my family would have a baby, we would all like go and like pile into the hospital waiting room and just sit there for hours and hours. My grandma would always buy the older kids like a book to read while we're in there. And it was just like this most exciting, magical time. I can still remember sitting in the waiting room and my uncles coming in and being like, it's a boy or it's a girl. And so I think that was like a really like pivotal experience for me. I just, I would get to leave school. It was just awesome. Um, And of course there was a baby at the end. So that was amazing. Um, So yeah, I think that's where my passion for birth and birth work really started. Um, And then for the chronic illness piece of it, I was diagnosed when I was about 14 with undifferentiated connective tissue disease, though I think I had it for years and years before, because I remember talking to my mom and saying, like, my bones feel hollow, which is the only way I could think to explain how, like, my joints were feeling, which is a very weird way to kind of phrase it. But as a kid, I just didn't have the words to really describe it. Um, So that was the first time I was actually officially diagnosed as a young teenager. And then in 2019, I, that diagnosis was changed to spondyloarthritis and they think it's likely going to be psoriatic arthritis if it continues to progress. Um, so spondyloarthritis is kind of like the big umbrella. And then there's a few different, um, diseases under it. So psoriatic arthritis is one of them. Ankylosing spondylitis is another, there's a few others. So that's kind of, you know, my own personal experience with chronic illness. And then the reason why I kind of brought them both together was I was doing my doula training and I kept coming across people in the birth world or, you know, just these books I was reading and they would always say for low risk moms. So, you know, like things like interventions aren't like super necessary for low risk moms. And it just kept coming across that term specifically. And I was like, 
okay, so what does that mean for high-risk moms or not even like high-risk in, you know, in the birth world, but for someone who has a chronic illness? And I just felt like they're, they were being left out of the conversation and we're not really talking about what that means for them and the support then I think is just not quite there yet. So for me, I really wanted to kind of marry the two passions of mine, my advocacy for chronic illness and my advocacy for birth as well, and kind of bring it together and really help serve moms who have chronic illnesses. And as they go through, you know, trying to conceive through birth, postpartum and beyond. I love that. And that's such an important space to be in. And I know we've chatted about this before, but in my experience with both of my pregnancies, I realized that that was a really big gap is having that support. Yeah. Um, so thank you for, for all of the work yeah. that you do. Um, so that leads me into my next question. So having chronic illness and pregnancy separately are already very challenging and there's limited research really in both areas. So when you throw it together, um, it can be definitely more complicated. Um, and there could be a lot of uncertainty, stress. So how can getting a doula involved, especially one who specializes in chronic illness really help to create a more positive experience or even more positive outcomes for you and your baby? Yeah. So it's funny when I first started telling some doulas in my like local community and online that I wanted to specialize in moms with chronic illness, they almost were like, well, why are you making your job harder? Like, why, like, why don't you just become a doula, like a quote unquote normal doula. And then like, just if clients come along and have a chronic illness, like you can help them. Or the other question I got was like, well, can't a doula who is, you know, just a quote, again, quote unquote, normal doula help someone with chronic illness. I'm like, absolutely. Any doula can help a mom with chronic illness. And some doulas may be an even better fit for specific moms than I am just personality wise. But I think that extra level of understanding what someone with chronic illness goes through on a day-to-day basis is super important. And I think just like understanding that there's anxieties around you know, medications, anxieties around certain tests, anxieties around just so many things that people without chronic illness haven't really had to think about or, you know, haven't experienced in their lives before. Um, I think there's just so many things that having that extra layer of knowledge is just so important. Um, But again, as I said, any doula is, doulas are always compassionate doulas are, you know, really like kind people. So if you do like end up hiring a doula who doesn't have a specialization in chronic illness, just tell them, tell them what your experiences are. Tell them how, you know, what anxieties you have, what, how your experience may look different from some other people's. And I think that'll be key in, you know, having a successful relationship with your doula, make sure they understand what you're going through and, I mean, almost all doulas will pivot and they'll help you with your anxieties and, you know, just work with you and support you the best that they can. That's amazing. Um, Can we walk through just in case someone doesn't know what a doula actually does? Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about what a doula does because I don't think enough people know. No, I didn't Um, know until after I had my son, I'm like, what, why didn't I know about this? You know? (laughs) Yeah. So there's 
traditionally two types of doulas. So there's birth doulas and postpartum doulas, though now there's, I think, fertility doulas. There's like, oh, a huge wide span. Um, but talking about traditionally birth doulas, they'll be with you to attend the birth. So usually they'll do a couple prenatal visits with you, get to know you. Um, and doulas are hired by the parent typically. So there's someone who works completely for you. You interview them, you make sure they're the right fit for you. And then they'll do a couple prenatals, get to know you, um, give you some education, though they're not a replacement for like a birth education class, but they'll help connect you with resources and um, give you support in that way. And then for the actual birth, usually most doulas are on call from like 38 weeks to 42 weeks for your birth. So the, they're dedicated to be there any time of the night when you give them a call, they'll show up. And when they're there, they'll do, you know, whatever support you need, whether it's, you know, braiding your hair back, giving you water. They're also trained in like labor positions and how to help like move labor along. They're like so highly trained in a lot of the areas of like how labor works and how the birth process works. So they're also a huge resource, but sometimes the best doulas are the ones that like aren't spouting facts at you while you're trying to give birth. They're just quiet and like helping you move through, you know, your labor process. So that's kind of a birth doula. Um, they'll usually stay until like a couple hours postpartum. They're just there to kind of be like your professional support person, your professional friend, like, and (laughs) yeah, and they're there in addition to your partner too. So they're not there to replace your partner, though certainly some people don't have partners and they can hire a doula for that reason. That's totally valid, but they're there to kind of help, you know, help your partner learn how to, you know, support you because your partner's probably never seen a birth before doesn't know what to do or even if they have like every birth is so different so they can also work in tandem with your partner to figure out the best way to support you so yeah so that's kind of birth doulas in a nutshell and then postpartum doulas on the other hand are there for you after you give birth so it really depends on how you want to schedule them but um some uh postpartum doulas do uh, day shifts and then some do overnight shifts. And so what they do is very different depending on whether they're doing a daytime shift or an overnight. So daytime can look like helping with housework, like putting in some loads of laundry, getting some food started, getting a meal on the stove. Um, They can also help with a lot of, um, you know, basic infant care stuff, some very basic breastfeeding, Though if there's a true problem, we'll usually refer out to a lactation counselor. Um, Then they'll also like help watch your baby while you take a shower or take a nap, or they're really just there to support you and in whatever way you need that day. So that's that's kind of what like daytime looks like. And then overnight, it's a little different just because they're not typically banging around the house, making food. Um, or like doing laundry, unless, I mean, you have a big house and that's what you want them to do, but I'm sure they'll also do that, but really overnight doulas are there to help you get some sleep. So they'll sit with the baby and they'll absolutely take the baby to you to breastfeed and help support you that way. Um, but really they'll like take over a lot of like, you know, diapers, diapers and, you know, just being the one to bring the baby to you, I think is like 
so helpful because you can just like be woken up and nurse your baby and then go back to sleep and you know the doula has everything else taken care of so yeah it gives you that peace of mind and that ability to really enjoy those moments and I feel like it's can be so crazy especially if it's like your first baby and you're trying to figure it out so at least having someone there you're like okay I know that they're an expert I know that they can help me through yeah so that's that's awesome um and I I wish more people knew about about doulas and the services that offer um and all doulas are different um so definitely when you're interviewing doulas you can ask like how they do certain things and what their philosophy on certain things are. And um, that's the great thing is you're the one who's hiring them. So you get to hire the one that that's the best fit for you. I love it. Um, so that, that leads me into my next, uh, my next topic about advocacy. So mm-hmm. I have heard in different situations that doulas have actually been able to help advocate for the mothers. Say, um, I know a very common situation um, within the IBD community is really being pushed towards a C-section when that isn't necessarily what the mom wants to do or what is medically necessary. So as a doula, how do you handle a situation like that? Um, And then how can you in general help a mother or a family advocate for themselves? Yeah. So there's actually some division within the doula community on how much doulas should be advocating for their patients. Some say just sit there and do like have them listen to their medical provider. I fall on the other camp. Uh, I mean, if you can't tell, um, uh, no, like we can really be a key person there to advocate for the mom. Um, to me, that's part of why a mom hires me to help them. And so I think there's a lot of discussion within the doula community and we'll really see how that kind of you know, shakes out in the next few years. Um, but I think it's kind of leaning more towards advocacy now, just because we're realizing how important that is. Um, but some ways that doulas can advocate for their clients is really just like taking the time and making sure that like their clients feel supported and educated. So going through the research studies with them and really making sure that they feel like they have a voice. Um, And so this can look in like a few different ways. So you can turn to your client and say, hey, client, I thought you this was important to you. Is it still important to you? And almost give them the platform to speak for themselves. Um, And if they're too nervous to speak for themselves, you can slow down and be like, hey, provider, my client really was hoping for X, Y, Z. Um, can we talk about how she can achieve that? So there's kind of two ways, helping them speak for themselves. And then if they're not able to, and they want you to speak for them, then to kind of go ahead and do that. Also, I think a really great tool for doulas to advocate is to just, when things are being brought up that maybe the mom doesn't want, saying, hey, can we clear the room for a second? let mom and dad or mom and her partner, whoever, take some time to talk about this, think about this, and then come back and we'll have a discussion about it. And then in that time, you can stay with the mom and be like, how are you feeling about this? Would you feel comfortable speaking to your doctor about X, Y, and Z? Do you want your partner to say it? Do you want me to say it? So just kind of like figuring out a game plan of how to get the message across. Um, And I think really just taking that time kind of like helps slow things down and like it can feel like once 
you know, something suggested, it's just like this boulder that's like rolling downhill, but really just like, unless it's a true medical emergency, there's always room to slow it down, take some time to question it and figure out how your client wants to handle the next, um, the next decision. So it's so beneficial to have someone that third party in there to help because from experience, I know it's like you, you get so wrapped up in the moment and you feel like, okay, this decision needs to be made right now. And it's almost like you, your mind just blanks and you don't even remember what you wanted or what, you know, because it is such a, a crazy experience. So, um, that's, that's very, very important that, that you're able to step in and kind of say, slow down and reevaluate and almost remind the mom of what her plan was or what she wanted, what she felt comfortable with. Yep. Yeah. Doulas. It's always great um, for doulas to have a copy of the um, mom's birth plan. That way they know what she wants and maybe she changes her mind. Like that's totally fine too. But um, as a doula, you can sit, you can like turn to her and say, are you still wanting X, Y, and Z? These are the reasons why you told me you wanted X, Y, and Z. Is that still important to you? And just giving her time to think about, oh yeah, that's why I wanted to, you know, not have an epidural. Let me um, like, you know, maybe now I don't want it again. Cause like, it just like, it happens so quickly, like you said, and there's so much pressure. So I think just like taking some time from someone who knows what your birth birth plan is. And then it's also flexible if it changes. Like as a doula, if my client like truly after like, you know, says like, I want X, Y, and Z, like, absolutely. Let me go find the doctor or the nurse and like get that for you. So I was going to ask that is how do you support your clients if they do decide that they need to, you know, make a shift or if it's, you know, the, a medically, a necessary decision. So I want to talk more about C-section. So I had yes. a C-section with both of my kids um, and the experiences were just wildly different. Um, one was unplanned, one was planned. Um, and I realized after the process, you can actually have a more, I guess, friendly experience or positive C-section experience. So since a lot of IBD moms do end up having, um, having C-sections, let's talk about that. What, what can that more positive experience look like? Yeah, absolutely. So typically it's called either a gentle C-section or a family centered C-section. There's a few different, um, phrasings uh, that, uh, providers use, but basically it's, kind of taking control back of the situation. You know, you're going to have a C-section, but you want to make it the experience that you want. So some of the things that can include are dimming the lights in the OR, um, asking your provider not to engage in shop talk. So they're not like over you talking about like, I don't know, various things with the other doctors in the room. Um, which that can just be so like dehumanizing. So it surprises me that anyone does that. But um, in my, this is like a total side note, but in my, uh, my C-section with my daughter, the two of the nurses were like having this whole conversation. They're like, I got these new Warby Parker glasses the other day. (laughs) They're like talking about their whole great experience. I'm thinking like, that's great that you had this experience I'm like, on the table. Like, yeah, I'm like, you're like holding my intestines in your hands. Like this is 
terrifying. So yeah. yeah. So definitely like, and that can even be something that, you know, in the OR you decide to like also bring up too, if it's happening to you. Um, so that's like another thing. Um, sometimes they'll allow you to have soothing music, um, obscuring kind of like the wires. So it doesn't feels like of course you still need to have wires you're having a surgery but like making it so they're not like immediately like visible um a little out of the way another option is to have the drape so between your face and where um the surgery is happening where baby's coming out um to have it either lowered or clear so that you can see your baby being born and at some cases they'll even like let you like immediately like reach down and touch them or pull them out um that I feel like some providers are like still a little wary of that but definitely at least like having it lowered so that you can see um and then once baby is out like immediate skin to skin um initiating of breastfeeding in the OR like can be done um asking for all of the like immediate newborn checks to be done on your chest. So you're still having that skin to skin and anything that's not super necessary can wait until, you know, you've had some time. Um, and then also delayed cord clamping can also be, um, in your gentle C-section birth plan. Um, there's like a ton more, but that's just like some of the ones that you can do. So I would encourage anyone to definitely Google gentle C-section and there'll be lists and lists of the things you can ask for. But the one thing I would say is don't just like walk into the room and be like, I want a gentle C-section. Yeah. No, like that means something different to every provider. Um, what you really want to do is have like your list of I want um, and even like something like delayed cord clamping. You don't want to just say delayed cord clamping. You want to say I want my cord to not be clamped until it's white and no longer pulsing or for two minutes, three minutes, however, whatever the decision you guys make. Um, And then like, make sure everything is kind of listed out. And then um, your partner can be a huge advocate in helping to remind the doctors if they're not following through on what you want to do. It's, I think it's becoming a little more common that they're allowing doulas into the OR, but that's still kind of like, not totally accepted everywhere. So hopefully that'll be more accepted as we go on because doulas can also help to be the ones to have their birth plan in front of you and advocate, but not a lot of hospitals are allowing that at the moment. So I think we still have a little ways to go with that. Well, it's really, it's interesting when you said that, because even if you can't be in the room you have had this experience before you've worked with other families on their birth plans. And if you are a first time parent and you end up going in to have a C-section or even just a regular vaginal birth, it's like, you don't know what you don't know if it's your first time. So uh, you don't know all these little things that you should have in your birth plan. So I think that's why it's so important to work with someone like you, because you can bring up these things that you should really be aware of. And do you, do you help moms come up with their birth plan? Is that part of a service that you offer? Like, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So that's definitely something that I include with my clients. Just, you know, we can go over their birth plan and help, you know, just, decide well of course they're making this decisions but help them think about the different 
uh, pieces they might want to include. But I also do separately, and a lot of doulas will do this too. They have these sessions where you can book like a 45 minute session with me and say, I want to talk about a birth plan. Can you help me put one together? And we can sit here over, even over Zoom, it doesn't have to be in person and I can help you put a birth plan together. You're not my client. I won't see you again after that, but you can, we can talk through what's important to you, how you want to make sure it's written, um, that sort of thing. So there's a few ways to go about it. And I know a lot of doulas offer that. So yeah, I think that's a really great option too, even if you don't want someone in the room with you. That's so valuable and an awesome, awesome add-on, like you said. Yeah. Um, when it comes to birth plans and chronic illness moms, is there anything additional that we should be aware of or anything specific there? Like, Hey, you might want to take a look at this when you're creating your birth plan. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of it does come back to research and really knowing, you know, what your chronic illness is and how it affects, um, you know, the different parts of your body and may affect you during labor. So this is a funny side story and it's a little embarrassing, but so I have erosion in my sacroiliac joint, which is the joint that connects like the bottom of your spine, the sacrum to um, your pelvis. I, for five years, thought it was a different joint, like the entire time. <laughs> I no no doctor ever like held up a model and was like, this is your like sacroiliac joint. I thought it was like a different part of my pelvis. And it wasn't until I did my doula training where we were going through the anatomy modules and it like pointed out that joint. And I was like, wait, what? That's where <laughs> I've had my arthritis. <laughs> so embarrassing. But I, I just like, I don't know why I never Googled it. No one ever showed me. Um, and so that to me was like really key in understanding, like, cause like your sacrum needs to move out of the way when you're giving birth um, different, yeah. in different points of the labor process. So it was just like mind blowing to me. So that's kind of like a side tangent, <laughs> but I think like really making sure, you know, your body, I think sometimes people with chronic illness and it's not everybody, but is almost afraid to look into the details because they don't want to know like worst case scenario, or they don't want to admit that they're sick um, yeah. in some ways. So I think that's a huge part of it too. It's just really knowing your body and really taking the time to like understand, even if you're afraid, like really going through that. So that, that's definitely one thing. Um, another thing that I think is super important for your birth plan is um, understanding if you have any medical triggers um, from like past medical trauma. So something you can include in your birth plan, if say you have a trigger of hospitals and um, something that would make you more comfortable is wearing your own clothes in labor instead of a hospital gown because you have that trigger. Yeah. Or um, what was the other one? There was another one that I had. Um, oh, or requesting um, that there's no residents or interns in the room just because you want to limit the amount of medical staff in there. Mm -hmm. um, just like little things like that. And each person's going to be different based on their past um, trauma, but understanding what your triggers are and then seeing how that can, you know, work into your birth plan, I think is huge. Um, and then besides that, like, I think, especially for moms with chronic illness, um, being confined to a bed and pushing on your back, especially if you have chronic pain can, you know, be 
uncomfortable. I mean, I think that's uncomfortable for anybody. So um, including in your birth plan, like freedom of movement, even if you get an epidural, like ask for a nurse to help you move into different positions on the bed. Or if you don't have an epidural and you are allowed to move around the room, maybe you can have a wireless uh, electronic fetal monitoring instead of being strapped to the bed. That way you can move. I just think for, and every person's condition is different, but people with chronic illness and chronic pain, I think sometimes like you feel stuck in that hospital bed and you can't move. It just exacerbates things. So that's another one. And then I have one more thing for when, after the baby's born is to have a good plan of if something does go wrong with you or the baby, like we don't like to think about this, but who is going with the baby and who is staying with the mom. So people with chronic illness may or may not be at an increased risk for complications, depending on, you know, their disease and the severity of it. But you don't want to have to be thinking as something's happening, like that you want dad to go to the NICU with your baby and your mom to stay with you. You want to have that plan already in place. And again, like we don't like thinking about that. We don't want to think that we'd be separated from our baby, but I think just knowing what'll happen is a great way to kind of, you know, alleviate that stress in the moment, especially if things are going kind of in an emergency situation. That's such a good point. And I also feel like as much as you don't want to think about it, it does give you peace of mind knowing that you have that emergency preparedness plan and everyone is on board with that. Um, Those are really great tips. Those are things that I feel like you wouldn't, you wouldn't even know to think of. So having that extra support is, is just incredible. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The last thing we sort of touched on this before, but um, as far as postpartum support. So I I feel like in general, our society doesn't do a great job of supporting moms (laughs) postpartum. It's so frustrating. Um, And we talked about a a little bit about what a postpartum doula can do, but as a, a doula throughout the whole birth process, do you support families with creating that postpartum care plan as well? Um, And then if so, what are some tips for families for helping focus on the the recovery of the mom while still focusing on bonding with the baby? Absolutely. I think it's like super important, even if you're just not just, but if you're the birth doula, um, to kind of like talk with the mom about, okay, what is your plan for postpartum? Um, maybe if it seems like she doesn't have a lot of support, encouraging her to hire a postpartum doula, um, and all birth doulas typically do at least one check-in, um, postpartum at the client's house, just to like, make sure everything's going okay to maybe help process some things with the birth, um, So that's definitely a huge part of it. And then I think just like making sure that our clients have the support, whether or not that is family members around or postpartum doula or, you know, just people who are there so that they can truly focus on the baby and don't have to, you know, get out of bed. I don't know if you've heard of the 555 rule. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, I think it's five days in bed, five days on the bed and five days near the bed um, in the immediate postpartum period. So that's, it's really encouraging you to like, you know, take that recovery, take that rest time. Like your body just went through something like, you know, traumatic, even if it wasn't like actually traumatic, it's still, you know, was a big 
big, big event deal. for your body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so really just emphasizing, you know, that, that rest and that time to, you know, heal and they, they don't want to be worrying about throwing laundry into the laundry or figuring out what to eat. So making sure our clients have that support. And if they don't, how can we better connect them with um, those resources, I think is super important. And then I also think for people with chronic illness, it's important to emphasize that your postpartum doesn't have to look like anyone else's postpartum. Um, whether that means you need extra rest, you don't want visitors at, you know, two days postpartum. Um, you, I mean, I, that goes for anybody. You can, yeah. you can take all the time, but I think especially for people who have chronic illnesses, like your bodies are, you know, also adjusting to this in a very different way. So it's, it's okay if it looks different and even it, in different ways, such as like maybe, the typical changing table height is too low for you to bend over. So like, how can we like get something higher so that you can still like take care of baby or um, like different modifications like that. If you do have like some type of um, disability that would, you know, prevent you from taking care of your baby in the quote unquote, like normal way, like throw normal out the window, do what works for you and your family. um, And don't, compare yourself to anyone else's postpartum, I think is super important. And then the last thing I will say is, I think a huge part of it is, um, especially for people with chronic illness, if they did have a triggering birth, to figure out a way to help moms process that. Because, you know, we, I think, as women, like, hold on to those experiences, um, and it can affect you know, us for the rest of our lives. And oftentimes the birth doula might not be the best person to kind of go through that with you because they were there. And thus, even though they weren't doing anything wrong, part of that trauma. So finding, you know, someone, there's people who, and there are a lot of birth workers who do birth trauma debriefs. So you can book a call with them and they're not licensed therapists. They're just someone who will listen to you and like, will let like validate how you're feeling. Um, and, you know, it's usually just like a one-time session of like, you're, you're telling your story of what happened, and that can help moms like release a lot, I think. So connecting yeah. our clients with those resources to knowing who some um, people who do birth trauma debriefs are, I think can be super, super helpful. Um, yeah, that's incredible. There are so many resources out there and it's, it's just, we need to keep talking about it. So more and more people know, like these are just amazing things. And especially for the chronic illness community, like these are things that we need and we need people to be with us, to advocate for us, advocate with us. Um, and then it's the mental load of, having a chronic illness and then being pregnant on top of yeah. like having that extra support is just so, so valuable. So yeah. thank you for all the work that, that you oh do. Gosh, I have loved chatting with you. Um, <laughs> so how about we shout out where can listeners find you if they want to uh, book your services, where can they find you on Instagram? Walk us through that. Yeah. So my website is the chronic illness doula.com. Um, my email is the same. It's just info at the chronic 
illnessdoula.com. So you can either get in touch with me through my website or through my email. And then also on Instagram, you can DM me. My handle is at the chronic illness doula. So it's nice and uniform across everything, <laughs> but um, yeah. And I would, I would love to, you know, talk with some of your listeners. Awesome. And then where are you based out of? So I'm in Southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, I do have the ability to work with people virtually. There's no limits on doulas. Um, Like I know therapists have some limits on like where they're licensed. Doulas are able to help people across the country, across the world. So that part's really nice. Um, So I have my birth and postpartum services in person, but you can also book me as a birth doula or postpartum doula virtually. Of course, it looks a little different. I won't be there like hands-on but I can still be a resource. So I have that as a virtual option. And then my um, one-on-one calls that I mentioned before, where we could talk about a birth plan or do a birth debrief or something like that, um, whatever that the person wants that to look like, that always usually happens virtually. So yeah, there's a bunch of virtual options too, if you're not in Southeastern Pennsylvania. I love that. Well, I will link all of the information in the show notes so everyone can easily uh, find you and and access your website. So thank you so much for coming on. It was great chatting with you and I can't wait. Hopefully we get to, uh, to chat with each other again, hopefully have you on as a guest again. So thank you. All right. That was my conversation with Sam, the chronic illness doula. I hope you all enjoy that. We're able to take away some great pieces of knowledge. Uh, You can find Sam on her website, thechronicillnessdoula.com or via Instagram at thechronicillnessdoula. Also make sure you are following along on Instagram at chronicallyblonde to see latest podcast updates and additional resources from me. Thank you all again so much. I will talk to you soon. Have a great week and stay well.